0: What is up, Internet? Welcome to the only podcast about movies. I, as always, am Matthew Kroll. And I am Shaheer Day. And uh, this week we decided to do something a little bit different. And by we, I mean Shaheer decided we were going to do something a little bit different.
1: Hey, you know, we have a choice of movies every week we can see. And we looked at the list, and, and the list included... Entourage. Right. Spy. Oh, yeah. Insidious Chapter (laughs) 3. Yeah. Uh, Love and Mercy.
0: Uh, Sure. Yeah. And there's always Aloha in San Andreas, just looming.
1: But then there was this one title on there, which, uh, let me read the title out to you. Sure. A pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence.
0: Now, I want you, the <laughs> listener, to really get into my headspace because <laughs> Shahir and I text during the day, like, what film do you want to do this week? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and we were going through all the names he listed before, and then he said this one. And... I mean, if that doesn't reek of art film, <laughs> uh, I don't know what does. But uh, to be honest, Shahir, I was actually very excited to see this film. I, I said when we were texting back and forth, I'm like, this will be nice because I'm like the last two movies, like Mad Max, I didn't know it'd be as good, but I kind of knew what to expect. Kung Fury, I knew exactly what to expect. And if we'd
1: picked Entourage, Spy, or Insidious 3, you
0: would you know, would what know they... exactly what to expect. Now,
1: here's the thing. So the reason we picked a pigeon uh, sat on a branch reflecting existence, can we hyphenate that to? Uh, I-P-S-O-A-B-R-O-E. Doesn't spell shit. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just call it a pigeon sat on a branch. Okay. Now, the reason I picked that film is that many years ago, I was in New Zealand, and I walked in completely blind. Uh, I didn't know what was playing. I I hadn't seen a poster or anything to a film called Songs from the Second Floor, which is directed by Roy Anderson, a... Swedish filmmaker who also happened to direct this week's film, A Pigeon sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence. Or, and as
0: I would like to abbreviate it, Absobaran. 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 Absbar That's the anagram or It's just called the pigeon. It.
1: Yeah, the pigeon movie.
0: The pigeon movie. All right.
1: And the reason I wanted to do this film... Uh, was because seeing songs from the second floor was probably one of the best cinema experiences that I've ever, I'd ever experienced. You've told me. I, I, I walked out of that feeling a joy for cinema that I hadn't experienced in a while. I was elated. It was something I'd never seen before. I laughed. I was happy. And I kind of felt like there were so many possibilities as a filmmaker. There were so many things that this film did. And, and it, it wasn't a hugely popular or successful film, and I felt like I'd made a discovery. Okay, okay. okay. But then, uh, as it turns out, with uh, Roy Anderson, he's actually a very pro- uh, prolific filmmaker, and a pigeon sat on the branch reflecting on existence. Boy, that's a mouthful. Well, listen. <clears he laughs> ro- <throat> this is a Swedish film. Yeah, it is a Swedish film. Uh,
0: the second Swedish film we've reviewed on yeah. the only podcast about movies, uh, and we've only done three episodes. Wow. So,
1: biased. Yeah. You be the judge. I think uh, Sweden, the air the Swedish airline should uh, should sponsor us and maybe fly Ooh. us out to Sweden to do a podcast episode.
0: There. I will if if <laughs> if they would like to do that, uh, offers on the table, I will review any film <laughs> your country puts out. Uh, look, there's a lot of Swedish films I like anyway.
1: But but a pigeon center project is not a small film. It has it has won a number of awards, it's very well reviewed. Um, but it's not one of these things is not like the other. Mad Max Kung Fury of uh, course well they're all kind of not like the each other yeah so i had i knew what i was getting into with a pigeon sat on a branch what what did what was your preconceived note what did you think when you heard the title
0: uh like i said before it's sort of like art house art, definitely you know, art house. yeah um and i i tend to go back and forth on on art house i mean calling something an art film is kind of the dumbest thing one can do. I feel.
1: Okay. okay. Well, let's let's go on a scale. Let's say, let's say, No Country for Old Men is kind of a hybrid art house. How would you? How do you feel
0: about that film? Uh, no, it's good. I like No Country for Old. Men. I mean, that's that's a fine movie. But again, I, back to my point, calling a film an art film is just is just a way of saying, oh, you really have to think about this to enjoy it. That's really kind of what it is, and and that's not to to say everyone will enjoy it if they think about something hard enough, any art film. I'm saying, like, if you're meant to enjoy it or if it speaks to you in a way, art film, art house cinema is sort of like that thing where it's like, if... If uh, let's say entourage is your <laughs> really delicious instant mac and cheese, this is like the seven course meal that you spent four days preparing for or, like,
1: or maybe sometimes you spent400 dollars on and sometimes you like it and sometimes you're like, you well, know what? what I, I really say. want a cheeseburger? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, exactly
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so so going in, I had that sort of expectation uh, and I'd never seen anything from the director. I'd never seen you know anything like that. Um and overall I do have to say that um this is where my opinion of it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. It's a really good film that I didn't enjoy.
1: I can totally see that. Uh
0: there's no question about this movie uh that it's it's masterfully done in what it's trying to do. Um I just don't think what it's trying to do is for me. Um so I'm going to try, uh, real quick, if you don't mind, to break down this movie, and I was about to say tell this movie's plot, mm-hmm. but it don't have one, really. It has a minor, minor plot. Uh, it's what, 39 vignettes,
1: Is it, okay. uh,
0: something like that. I yeah. think I caught that off of the interwebs. Um, uh, basically talking about, or showing you, really, the absurdity of human existence, which Seems right up my alley. I think that's something that I would enjoy, and I enjoyed some of it. Um, and through these vignettes, some of them sort of tie back into each other, and there's characters you sort of follow throughout, which we'll be discussing in a little bit. But some of them are just like an older dude smoking a cigarette out a window, and a younger girl coming up that uh, that looks like they're sort of coupley, smoking the cigarette with them. They smoke, they stare out the window, and that's it. <laughs> now it's important when saying oh 39 vignettes that's fucking weird for a film like mm-hmm. why isn't this a web series <laughs> yeah. or something else uh it's it's le- first, first and foremost without getting too much into the art direction of it but the cinematography in this there's no camera movements mm-hmm. it's all static shots and it doesn't cut around in these vignettes you the one shot is what you get um so it takes a minute to sort of get into that groove mm-hmm. um and that was something that I found very interesting and and sort of nice. But then the order of them and then the sort of recurring stuff versus not recurring stuff, uh, some of it, some stuff felt super meaningful and some stuff really felt like filler to me. Right. Um, I've been talking for a while. What did you think of the film? And,
1: and, and so my experience is coming from a slightly different place, which is that I've seen this director's work before. Right. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his work. Sure. Um, one thing about Roy Anderson is, uh, you know, he's a prolific filmmaker, but he's also an amazing commercial director. And if you could go on the web, look at his commercials, they're hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really worth watching. So I kind of knew what I was in for. Right. And having the, uh, A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence is the third of a trilogy of films, and I've seen the other two. The first is Songs from the Second Floor, that you know, that film I told you I went into completely right, right. blind. The second was a film called You the Living, um, which is again following the same theme of absurdity of life. And and all three films are kind of like they feel to me like they take place in some sort of purgatory where past, present, future collide into some sort of odd you know, nither realm. Wait,
0: wait, wait. If this is the third film, am I walking into this like someone who hasn't seen a Marvel movie no. going to see Avengers? Like, no. did I miss a big point here? <laughs> like, no. who the hell is no. <laughs> is that sea captain? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> turned no. You,
1: barber. You you, you're, you, don't need to see these films in any order. They're not connected only, they're only connected thematically.
0: So would you say, and I'm going to go highbrow, lowbrow here, yeah. this is the highbrow equivalent to the, uh, what is it, Cornetto trilogy?
1: Yeah, actually that's a really good exa- yeah, that's a really good comparison. Okay, yeah. Good. Well, in a highbrow lowbrow way, the other right. the other film I was going to mention maybe in a trilogy, although not in the same way was uh, Christoph Krzysztof Kieślowski's Red, White and Blue trilogy mm-hmm. or even he, his other like, you know, a, film, a short film about love a short film about death. Um, okay. Yeah, or he has a whole other um, uh, the, the trilogy of films that are based on Bible stories, which I'm going completely mm-hmm. blank on. That's right fine, now. But, but but so they're thematically connected, mm-hmm. they're stylistically connected, but they're not story connected. You right. don't you you don't need to stay t- through the credits to see wh- what's going to happen in the next one Good. Um, so this is the third part of the trilogy. Um, I have to say, I adored songs from the second floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked You, The Living a little bit less. I went in very, very high expectations on that one. I went in with possibly lower expectations this time around. But, I, you know, there's this funny thing when you take someone to a movie that you love. You're always kind of like looking over your shoulder going, geez, I hope they like this movie. Otherwise, they might not like me anymore. Yeah. And
0: uh, and I I'm gathering from now you I'm never getting to pick the movie. <laughs> no, of course you can, dude. Look, look. As for as much as I I tolerated this film, and not, not even tolerated. There parts of it I really liked, and we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good It's good to see different stuff. Like we said, if we went to see Entourage, we would have known exactly what... I've I watched, what, six seasons of Entourage? This isn't going to be different. This is just going to be updated. Do I still want to see that? Yes, I love mac and cheese. We all but, love
1: a good cheeseburger.
0: But, you know, I, every once in a while, you like to try a new restaurant, and exactly. this was it's, definitely a new restaurant. This is the, if if uh, Sleep No More, New York City served food, this would be that restaurant. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's definitely a different experience. But it's... Uh, you know, I think it's something pretty interesting, and like it's it's a, a film that that makes you think about life, you right? Know? Like, and if if you're willing to give it the time, it really has a lot to say. Because, you know, like I always say. Um, I heard this old saying that um, a screenplay is not in the words that are on the page. It's in the space that's around the words. Mm. Uh, you know, like the blank space around the words is really where the screenplay is. Okay. You know, and the idea there is is that it's not what's said, it's what's not said. You know, and how much a film <sighs> lets you think... On you, you know, like gives you gives you just enough to start you thinking.
0: See, now we're getting into stuff that I sort of disagree with. Well, we can disagree a lot, uh, and, and but
1: but let me finish. Sure, my, I'm my, sorry. My, sorry, my, my point here is that this is a film that is about the absurdity of life and the absurd and the the prospect of what death could offer you, mm-hmm. and it it gives you basically the broad strokes of ideas. And and it gives you a lot of absurd ideas almost in a Monty Python kind of way. You know, like, it it takes... Uh, death to its most absurd limits.
0: Of course, it's Monty Python esque, but with like twenty percent of the comedy. Let's not, let's yeah. not. There's funny moments in it. There's there's chuckle worthy moments, but you you won't have a belly laugh in this film. Although that there was one there, gen- yeah. gentleman
1: behind Look, us was very he, he was loving it. He enjoyed every And I have to admit, when I saw songs from the second floor for the first time, I did belly laugh. There there are definitely funniest sequences in songs from the second floor. Well, you didn't
0: take me to that movie, no, Shahir
1: There, like for example, uh, in songs from the second floor, there's scene where a magician is por- performing the soaring a person in half act okay and it goes the worst possible way and we follow the character who gets cut oh that's <laughs> awesome. like through throughout the rest of the film and it's hysterical it's great um this doesn't quite have that i think no. this has got a more somber tone to it um it's a lot darker than the other than the other two films um
0: well yeah so before we sort of get into i mean we've just sort of said what we think generally of the movie now chances are you probably haven't seen this film and you're probably like i still have no clue what it's about or what it's even you know trying to say or what it could even mean altogether so we did something a little different uh at shahir's behest uh (laughs) shahir whipped out uh his microphone uh, not that other thing he normally does at movie theaters hey, and get comfortable, get comfortable. And we uh, and we asked some people some questions on the street after the fact uh, they shall remain nameless but uh, we're gonna play that for you right now just sort of what what other people thought of uh, the good old-fashioned uh, a pigeon sat in a branch reflecting on existence here we go here's regular people not us <laughs> I don't think I could describe it. Uh, well, it was about life. Um, I, I think it was very
1: funny, I was very impressed about the art direction and the framing and composition and everything, but also sometimes I, I was laughing at things that I, I, it made me think uh, well this this is actually kind of sad what's going on right now, but it it was, I don't know, it brought a smile to me. It seemed to be about missed
2: chances, missed connections really to, to a large degree, and Cruelty of the past was much more organized than cruelty in the present. It was pretty amazing. I was super engaged the whole time. And I was thinking about it from a structural point of view like, how is this, how is this made? And it's like pretty, pretty incredible. Like I, I, I want to watch it again to try to figure out how it's made. But I was thinking about the Maisel Brothers The Salesman, which is like one of the first documentaries, and about how that's this profound sort of journey into failure like, the salesman who's not a good salesman. And I think this film references that a number of times. Like, I was thinking about how, like, the creation of art comes out of pain, right? Like, good art is someone's pain, sort of, like, made into something beautiful. And I felt like
3: that was, like, another, like, part of what was being said. There were many funny parts. Uh, There were also kind of depressing parts. I guess it's sort of, um, you have to look at life with a sense of humor or self, or else it's going to be dreadfully depressing.
1: So first up, I just want to say thank you to everyone who talked to us uh, after the screening. It's, I know it's a hard thing to do to, like, get a microphone in your face and, and say, you know, like, what did you think of the movie or what was it about? But, Put
0: yourself on the line.
1: But, but just thank you to everybody yeah, there. Yeah,
0: thanks, guys and girls. Um, yeah, uh, so here's what I gathered from that little snippet. Uh, this movie could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and something again that what is traditionally known as sort of art house cinema is very good at is being abstract with what it sort of means or whatnot now or or maybe maybe so much as the filmmaker wants you to feel a bunch of different things and is basically in this case it's so weird to say this but like is throwing a lot at a wall and hoping some sticks uh, in a sense like, you know, the, one of the gentlemen was saying how, you know, he thought things were funny, but then he felt uncomfortable that he thought things were funny. And one dude focused on what I would consider the two main characters of the film, the two salesmen uh that you see throughout the picture. Um and uh actually it's funny he's called them bad salesmen. I didn't ever think they were bad salesmen. It's because the the tone of the film, just real quick, like no one speaks fast, no one is smiling, no, you know, it's very somber and very sort of like this is what's happening now, and we'll keep talking like this. Actually, some people smile in some of the musical. There's a musical number, (laughs) Um, but uh, I never thought of them as failures. I actually just thought they were going ups and downs because in some parts they they had were talking to people that sold that they had sold things to. And in other parts, they were talking to people that they couldn't sell to. Uh, although they always had money problems. I don't know.
1: So, well, the, the, the this is where I'm going to disagree with you to, to right off the bat, which is I, I think you, you're referring to this film as like someone trying to throw things at the wall and seeing what sticks. I, you know, like you even mentioned at the beginning that this is, this is a masterfully made film. Right. And I think this is exactly the film that this director wanted to make, which is that it is an open discussion about life and absurdity. Like and it's structured in the in the
0: exact way he wants it to Right. Be. Well a film can't be a discussion though. I I think this film provokes discussion. In yes, the way no that no it... film always provokes discussion. Yep. That's why we're here. Hi, we're yeah. doing a podcast. <laughs> uh but you know like I'm sorry, continue your thought.
1: No, no. I and I think I think this is a very purposefully made film. This is not a guy you know, like if you're in Hollywood, you're not looking at Roy Anderson's film and going, you know, I wonder if he could direct an Avengers movie. You're you're this is this is a guy who makes these kinds of films. And, yeah. and he is the only person that makes these kinds of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean I would say, you know, if you're looking for a Hollywood contemporary, the only person that comes to mind and it's cliche to say right away, but is like that
0: later Stanley Kubrick, you know, like the, the much later Stanley or, uh, Kubrick. Wes Anderson Or he tries to hit this. I don't think he does.
1: I think Wes Anderson is much more commercially driven than than this film ever will. Sure, no, I'll agree with that. And I
0: I think late Stanley
1: Kubrick is probably closer to Mm. you know like two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, or um, even Barry Lyndon, or something like that. You know, like and the funny thing is. I, I was thinking about this the other day because the the kind of humor that's in songs from the second floor and maybe a little bit less so in this film really does remind me of Doctor Strangelove a little bit. It is mm. it is about people. It, it's about uncomfortable humor, you know, like um, uh, people doing something that is funny only in its droll and dry and unfunny approach. And right. I and I was thinking that if Stanley Kubrick was alive today I think he would find this pretty funny because it is you know like it is in the same it, it, the comedy is reflective of the sure, way human sure. beings are you know have an ability to fail um, and I think that's what's funny about it you know like he, he has like a, a an an overall view of
0: human of human beings right um uh so here's This is sort of the. the, I don't particularly disagree with any one thing you're saying. When I say, when I, you know, throwing things to the wall and seeing what sticks, there are definitely deliberate things being said by the man. That's not the question. But when you have such a broad sort of topic of, oh, this is about the absurdity of life. Okay, okay. Uh, the, that to me says, uh, I'm going to like, well, not even that. Let's let me back up a bit. There are certain vignettes in this thing that I'm like, oh, this is what he's trying to say, this is how he's doing it, and it's all very done well. And then there's some that's just like filler, that that sort of made me sort of, I I haven't seen a film in such a long time that I lost interest in and gained interest in back and forth throughout. Like there was parts where I was looking at my watch, but then there was parts that I was completely engrossed, and it wasn't following specific characters, and it wasn't doing whatever, but just certain ones of the vignettes really worked and didn't work for me. And I think some of them he had a really strong thing, and another one, He's like, this is just a really pretty human moment. Yeah, I'm gonna let them think what they want, but that to me doesn't, with the strength of sort of his message from the other ones. Then it's just like, oh, slice of life, and I'm just yeah. like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I,
1: it's funny because I thought I found that, and listen, I, and before we go on as well, I actually don't disagree with you that the film did was a difficult watch, and it was, and it, you know, like again, I wasn't as engaged as I was with right. Songs for the Second Floor, um, and and. I could argue like you could take scenes from songs from the second floor and throw them into the middle of this mm-hmm. film, and it would feel you like no. Yeah, you wouldn't tell the difference. So when I say I love songs from the mm-hmm. second floor, I think I love the scenes that were in songs from the second floor more than some right. of the scenes that were in this film. And I agree, there are a couple of scenes where, you know, people are just like lying on a beach with a dog behind them, you know, like just looking copping like a feel, just copping a feel, looking like they're about to have sex, and then it just that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I. Th- found in this film what I liked about those scenes is that they every other scene seemed to be about death. And those scenes seem to be about life. Uh and that's, you know, like when I was watching the film in its totality, that's what I that's what I felt when I watched them. That it was like, oh, this is a beautiful moment of life, of life being lived, of things of of the possibility of life. Whereas every other scene seemed to be about the the approach approaching
0: of death. Um I agree that those were very the the short ones were sort of the more life sort of fil- full ones. I don't think every other scene was about death. I, I think um, there's a sequence. Uh, oh, by the way, if you haven't seen this, now is the time where we're just going to keep spoiling. But I don't even know if you can spoil this thing. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to talk about scenes, but it's so. <laughs> it's not even I mean, abstract's the wrong word. It's so non. Non-linear, almost, and not cohesive in a in a in a, in a, in a story way. Yeah. In a story way, that spoiling like, this would be difficult.
1: It's like if we were going to have a discussion about a razorhead, you would ha- you would tell everything that happens in a razor head.
0: Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so there's a sequence of vignettes that they keep calling back to, sometimes crossing characters in and out um, that you've seen or not seen, whatever. Um, where it's a series of people on the phone in various states of emotion saying the same line of, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you're doing fine," or something along you know, those what, lines. What
1: I love about Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: so that's over and over and over and over again. I think it might happen like six times or maybe seven. If it did, if it happened less, it felt like more. Uh, And those didn't grab me as much because that, to me, really sort of like was like, oh, this is your this is your callback gag you're doing. Yeah. And it was funny like the second or the third time. Then after the situation sort of got more and more ridiculous. I, I just didn't care anymore. Like, he already made his point of, and this is what I think his sort of point is in that, is that, like, we talk to people in our lives, you know, every day that, you know, we say sort of pleasantries and we don't really give a fuck about, and we're like, well, you know, whatever. And we could be doing anything, which is sort of not really paying attention to what the other person's saying or feeling. We're like, well, no, no, I'm just glad you're, you're doing okay. That's great. Okay, cool. Like, I get that, yeah. but I got it beforehand. Like, I don't need to keep seeing it and seeing it seeing I don't need to see a rich dude in, a, in like, a mahogany office all of a sudden, like, holding a gun on the phone, uh, doing, then nothing happens. Just nothing happens. But, but to me, that scene
1: was kind of, you know, like, every time we saw it, we were basically seeing the other side of that conversation in different ways and forms, you know, like, so... The first time we see that person, we see, a, we see a woman basically scrubbing the floor saying, oh, it's nice to hear that you're doing fine. Well, she's
0: off. She sounds—she's crying. She sounds yeah. off. She sounds yeah.
1: sad. And then the next time we see it, we see this—this <laughs> this sounds so—again, like every film we've talked about so far, the, the the second you try to describe the plot, you sound like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. But we see a, a, a captain, a sailboat, a, a ferry ship captain who's had a passenger die, right. who's decided to become a barber— uh, pick up the phone and and say, oh, it's nice to hear that you're doing fine. And it feels like they're, they're, these two people are talking to each other.
0: Oh, no, I didn't feel like that at oh, all. Really? Because no. we, cut, we cut
1: to another woman later on who's... Uh, but who's, they're all
0: just saying, I'm glad you're doing fine. It'd and, be very and weird. And then
1: eventually we see, yeah, the, the man with the mahogany, uh, you know, in the mahogany room with the gun. And I like I felt like he was the guy that if you didn't make that phone call that day, he would have killed himself. And it was just, like, it reminded me of, like, sometimes the conversations you have where you're, like, you got to call this person and you don't really want to sometimes. Right. And, you know, like, you know, but you have to do it. And <laughs> just, um, so it kind of reminded me of that. And, you know, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes the jokes go
0: on a little long in this film. You know what it was? Here's the deal. Because I'm a fan of beating the horse to death. Yeah. But here's... I. I think he, he he, while he was masterful in, in a lot of things, I think the beating the horse to death part of his humor, yeah, the, his timing is off in the sense of, if you're gonna do this, yeah, do it because the joke was funny and then it sank. And what is supposed to happen when you beat a dead horse is you keep beating it and beating it and beating it and beating it and beating it, and beating it until it's funny again. He, for probably length reasons or, or time or other things he wanted to say, never built it back up for me to be funny again.
1: That's that's a pretty – actually, that's a pretty good accurate analysis. Um, like I think that, that joke in particular – it, it starts out strange, yep. it gets funny. Then Second kinda, or third one's funny. Then it gets, like, annoying, and then it doesn't quite... It needs maybe one more beat for that joke to really... A couple more beats, I a, think. And more
0: absurd. And also because the last one... I think, or the last one I remember anyway, that, that sort of told me, oh, you're not supposed to be laughing at this, Yeah, uh, is the monkey scene. There's a scene yeah. uh, where it's a scientist with a monkey strapped to this metal thing with electrodes in its head, and it's electrocuting it on a timer. Now, granted, it was an animatronic monkey, but it looks pretty damn good. Um, and she's just doing the whole, well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing fine. And the monkey's just... <laughs> Uh, and it's, and that was honestly, and there's two disturbing scenes in the film. Yeah. And, uh, that was, I, you know, that was, that was hard to watch. It was uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable um, scene to watch. and. But funny at the same, like, oh, uncomfortably funny. Yeah. But, but, uh, but I think that, that at the end was starting to, to. T- it became it was trying to make more of a statement and less yeah. of a comedy, and then the joke failed. I don't know.
1: I, I my my one forgiving, you know, like my one ration, and I agree with you. I think mm-hmm. it kind of didn't. It didn't play to like you know, it's a Friday night. I'm sure. tired. I need this to like land kind of moments. Maybe yeah. if I if I caught that in a matinee or something, I might have really like thought about it. But but my one thing is is that this is a director who does understand comedy very well. If you, yes. watch, if you watch his commercials... Yeah, no, there's they, no doubt he's funny. They, ...they land like like you wouldn't believe. Um, and this so, one just didn't for me. Uh, well, and I think maybe, you know, like the thing to think about is that this is a guy who's made a lot of commercials in his life, mm-hmm. is a, you know, like has made a lot of short films and that sort of thing, that his feature films aren't the place for him to, like, tell jokes. His jokes. His jokes are going to have more dips to them or be less funny and more contemplative than they are, you know, like, than they are going to be just like, ha ha ha, you know? Yeah, but then at the same time Yeah, comedy. and this is your first experience with right. him. So maybe maybe if I'd shown you his commercials beforehand. Maybe.
0: But <laughs> here's the deal. I liked going into it cold, um, mm. which none of you listening, if you're going to go watch it, you're not gonna go in cold now. Yeah. Uh but let's uh, you know, I could I could nitpick what I didn't like about it, and that's all personal nonsense. Again, like I said, I think it's a very masterfully crafted film. And I'd actually like to get into talking about uh one of the things I really enjoyed about it, which was the art direction of the film. Yeah. Uh so let's get into that right now. We're gonna start with more or man on the street, woman on the street sometimes, uh, stuff about about this film. Uh, Apso abaran, I believe. Uh, <laughs> a Pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. Here's what people thought about the look. I mean, I was thinking stylistically like,
2: like the vision and the, like it's like a Wes Anderson kind of, like so stylistically shot and created. It kind of reminded me of the kind of worlds he creates, but it just felt like a like a Swedish, like I lived in Sweden for a little while and like, it felt true to that as a place and to that... Uh, it, well, I was saying before, it reminded me of dioramas, you know, when you're in third grade and you've got the shoebox and you like make something where you could look around because everything was in focus and it, it all had that kind of cardboard lack of life, lack of color kind of look. It also seems to be something that, an antique
3: thing that was discovered in someone's attic look, it's, it's 80 years old, and no one's seen it, well, what is it? The movie visually reminded me very much of like Edward, and the mood of Edward Hopper paintings. You know, very geometric, uh, very lonely, all these closed doors, and, and it set the, the same kind of mood as a lot of Hopper pictures, including, you know, his street scenes, they're just kind of empty and desolate, you know, that people occupy these spaces, but there's kind of also nobody there.
1: It's a weird feeling. I remember when I saw Songs for the Second Floor and then I went back and watched those commercials, uh, all of Roy Anderson's work looks like these, which is that they're, you know, like, as someone described it, they're like live dioramas. Sure. They have that kind of art-directed storybook quality to them. But the other thing that I love about uh, his work is that this this uh, this depth of feel that he yeah. creates. You know, like, in in single shots, you'll see all the way back down... You know, like sometimes... In Songs from the Second Floor, there's this one striking shot where you can see almost a mile down the street. Yeah. And there's a gag where, like, something is happening a mile down the street that reflects upon what's happening in the foreground. Okay. And it, like, travels all the way across the scene. Yeah. And he uses, like... The entire three dimensions. And I always think of Wes Anderson as a two-dimensional filmmaker. Very and, much and, so. You know, and and that's not meant to be pejorative or or a negative thing. That's just his his work. Pejorative. He looks like he's... let's, trying, let's like, keep it to three-point <laughs> words. <here. laughs> he 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 looks like he's making work that that is very flat, but it's just his his storybook theater driven style. Now, Roy Anderson makes work that look like they're done in three point perspective. You know, like they're very like you can see all the way out to the horizon line. Sure. And and the one thing, you know, that I've been researching about his work is that it's so meticulously crafted. Because if you think about the way a camera shoots depth of field, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to like have the camera stopped all the way down. So you need so much light to be able to see down there. And what you think that this film, you know, what these scenes are, is that they're just beautifully lit and shot. They're actually entirely constructed sets. Yeah. You know, like the the the. Thing... Well, except for some of the exteriors, but. Well, and in fact, in those exteriors, the the far distance will be a painting. Oh wow! Okay. You know, like, and, and that's how you'll do, and it'll, it'll actually be created on a set. You know, and the, that's great. You know, and it's all beautifully constructed and well well thought out, and and. I, I actually just, I love looking at Roy Anderson's work.
0: Well, here's the deal with Roy Anderson. This is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Roy Anderson, if you ever listen to this podcast, I want you to listen to this noise. <laughs> That's me cracking a beer to you, sir, because you have proven something with this film that I have been arguing uh, with certain people for a very long time. And it's on your soul, depth of field uh, thing you said, Shahir. Uh, Mr. Anderson, you have proved... Or should I say Mr. Anderson? <laughs> I'm you sure fan of the yeah, You yeah. have proved that film was already a 3D medium. <laughs> we don't need stupid fucking glasses. Yeah. We don't need gimmicks flying out at our face unless we're at Universal Studios. This film was a completely shot in 3D film and I don't mean what everyone else means when they say that you go to this and you see depth you see the third dimension and it's immersive as and well and it's a, it's totally immersive it is like you're looking inside of a diorama and it's be, uh, yeah and it's beautifully bleak <laughs> uh, I like how the older a character this is, more of a makeup thing. But yeah. I'm sort of getting off every thing. character, but, yeah. yeah. And the older their character was, the more white cake makeup was on their face. Well, they look like diff, yeah. Uh, and you got a you got a real sense of like where these people were and 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 what time period in their life was going on based on the bleakness of it. And that was something that was very interesting to me because you know you look back at your life so far, uh, and you you know you I feel like. I do, and I think everyone does, the whole nostalgia thing. I mean, Don Draper said it best. It's like that nostalgia is that place you're aching to go uh, again, I should say. (laughs) And you look back at your life, you're like, man, my life was awesome back then, when your life is probably pretty good right now. (laughs) And you always are looking back, always are looking back, trying to see. I mean, I know some people always sort of look forward, but that's not the sort of thing I'm talking about. It's just, this film did a very good job of, of showing you W- at what point in your life most people will feel the best and the worst? Yeah, I think. Yeah, completely. Uh, so anyway, along with that and the three D, 3D, the three Dness of it, without being gimmick three D, uh, Mr. Anderson, uh, cheers to you, buddy. That was that was yeah. some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and you know the fi- you know, in addition to that, I also really like the way he uses the space. You know, like you'll see something... There's stuff
0: going on way on the other side a lot of yeah. times, and it's really
1: fun. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be like, you know, like, you'll see a couple fighting in the background, where right. a guy in the foreground is trying to, like, find his way to a restaurant, mm-hmm. and then the there's this couple that you've seen in other scenes are, are having a fight, and they're breaking up. Yeah. And it's this, it's this great play on space as well, you know? Like, he really does use, as you say, the full three dimensions of space. Right,
0: and uh, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed... he that That's what... That's what kept bringing me back to the times when I was getting pulled out. It wasn't necessarily the story or, or the minor story or the characters or, or thinking, what does it all mean? You know, whatever. It was the way the film looked. If you like pretty cinema and if you like well thought out, meticulous sort of set driven or art direction or anything like that, this is a film you will really enjoy. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where you don't particularly need a story.
1: It'd be interesting, you know, like in the in the way that you, you know, maybe the story kind of turned you off. If imagine if, with yeah, if Wish Anderson made a film that looked like this and played with depth like this, with one of his stories or, or you know something some other filmmaker, you know, maybe I don't know. I don't, imagine I, imagine a war film that had this look. Sure, I, I guess you could argue that uh, Full Metal Jacket might be kind bad. of,
0: but yeah. there's but I you know it, there's something to be said about no camera movement. Uh, it really makes it feel like you're in you're not you're 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 not experiencing something. Yeah. You not in the same way that you would experience it. Like Film is a lot of times about immersion, and it's trying to make you feel like you're a character or you're there to make you emotionally involved in it and therefore enjoy the experience of watching it, or at least feel what the person making it wants you to feel. This is different. You're not experiencing it. You're completely and utterly just being an observer into it.
1: It's funny as well because the rules, you know, like when you get taught the rules of cinema... You, you get taught that there's this language that creates, like, uh, a connected reality that sure. works. Mm-hmm. And this is a film that kind of just doesn't even, you know, d- we don't, you know, there's no cutaway, there's no overhe you know, there's no, like, uh, shot, yeah. reverse shot or anything. Yeah. The whole conversations happen in one single frame. Yeah. And it's completely immersive, and it completely works, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it it goes to show that, the you know, like, the things you get taught in film school necess- aren't necessarily true, you know, if... If you are a good person well, and you think about your right. art.
0: But then here's, here's, the, here's the flip side of that, I'll say. Uh, the art direction for me saved this film, <laughs> but uh, a film overall is a sort of collaborative process that if you want it to be a, if, in my opinion, if you want it to be a phenomenal film, all of these things have to come together and affect the person that is watching it. For me, it was only one or two things done very, very well yeah, uh, to do that now, and and you, you can't, it's not fair to say like, well, what if it? What if this film was shot like a different? Well, yeah. it wasn't, dummy. Yeah. Me, so <laughs> you know, like that's unfair to say. But at the same time, when I think back to like a film that I truly really enjoy, yeah, all of the things come together for me.
1: Well, here I guess you know the other side of it is is you know like I talked a lot about songs from the second floor, and songs from the second floor has this like. Has a couple of very, very powerful scenes that have like stayed with me and will stay with me for the rest of my life. And then there's a, uh, there's, in fact, there's one scene in Songs from the Second Floor where they have camera movement and it's a really powerful use of camera movement where a scene, you know, like something that was still, was sit upon a train tracks and suddenly we move away as another character changes. And I, I think that was pretty powerfully handled. But this film, a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on its existence. Use the a, anagram. What is it? A suburb rubbery? <laughs>
0: Apso Abron, absa Abron. The pigeon film
1: yeah. um, has, I think, probably the most powerful scene that he's ever filmed. And I, I you, there's one scene in particular.
0: Which one? Oh, that you, one. You
1: know the one. Yeah. Um, which is is just, it works on so many levels. It is, it begins as devastating. It turns into horrific. It becomes kind of funny. And then it becomes hauntingly beautiful and then somewhat depressing. Uh, depressing is not the right word, but it makes you look at yourself in a sort of depressing way. I just felt so much transformation in that scene as it progressed on. Right. It,
0: uh, shall we describe the scene? Yeah. Uh because, look, I, mm. I, normally this is a joke, but we are the only mm. pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on Existence podcast. Like, I'll put money on that. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, we have to tell you about the quintessential scene. This, this To me, this scene is worth the price of admission. So, let's see if I can do it. Uh, so, there are... Sweet. Now I I'll, I actually read what the scene is supposed to represent. Okay. Um, but tell I'll, me because I don't know. Uh, well, I'll, t- I'll describe it first and then I'll I'll say it. So there's a bunch of uh, white dudes in safari getups mm-hmm. uh, pushing a bunch of African American people into uh, a giant cylinder. Are they
1: African Americans or were they were they slaves from another country? I mean, for, oh like, maybe was it, was it I don't European? know. European. It could it, have been it was slaves. Slaves. Yeah. They're
0: pushing slaves into this giant metal cylinder with all these horns on it. And they put them in, and then they lock it up. This is men, women, children. They're whipping them and getting them in there. And then they uh, they throw a torch into a pit that this thing is hanging over, and it lights up must be a big oil pit on fire. And because the heat of the fire is so hot, the the slaves inside, which you never see inside, mind you. This is all an exterior shooting this um must try to move up the walls of this cylinder to get away from the heat. And therefore, it starts turning this giant cylinder, which turns out to be a form of a music box because of all the horns on it. And it starts playing like this deep sort of tonal music. And then in the closest thing to a camera move this film does, it sort of flips to the 180 side, a uh, cuts to the 180 side. It's the reflection of the thing turning and you see doors open, and it's these white elderly people walking out and like watching it as entertainment. Yeah. And then you see a character that you've seen before yeah. serving drinks, and that he sort of helps tie it all back together. That's not really the important part. Um, and you can read a lot into this. What I read, and I'm gonna butcher this, um, was it's actually so. Uh, while it turns, you see a name, uh, B- Borelli yeah. or B- Belldi or something. What? What does, what does so that mean? So that is a mining company in sweden and wow. apparently that's a there's a there's a there's a time and a place where this mining company just kept using slaves and throwing them into a into mining stuff just and they kept dying 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 wow. dying dying that's so this amazing. is this is the this is their his call back to that yeah um i you know i it's funny it's 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 haunting and and and, and horrifying but like at the same time it's very purposely they're the only uh, people of color in the entire film are these slaves being thrown into this this giant music box mm-hmm. uh, powered by heat and fire um, And it's terribly disturbing and it's and I, it's 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 odd to me there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can glean from it uh, mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, I mean you you can you can take that. And this whole Swedish slavery mining thing, but you can put it to any oppressed people, mm-hmm. would that had a oppressor benefit off of the oppression.
1: It, it it also remind you know like it made me think about the way, in you know on a meta level, the way in which someone you know like pain, all great art is someone else's pain, not necessarily someone else. You know like there's that adage that like comedy is. Pain is, plus time or yeah, whatever, yeah, like yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. And this kind of just made me, th- you know, because th- there's a point where the um, the oppressors, the the sort of safari wearing, uh, I'm guessing they're Swedish people, now look directly at the camera as this as this this big musical tube spins mm-hmm. and it produces this beautiful sound. It's like mm-hmm. a bu- you know, like yeah. an incredibly beautiful sound. And I was thinking about like the sort of slightly tumultuous relationship people had with Twelve Years a Slave, you mm-hmm. know, which was like this you know, I think a pretty masterful film about slavery. But, you know, like there's this sort of question mark around whether it exploits um, what happened to, you know, to to African-American slaves um, in order to derive entertainment. And that's what this musical box in the film is, is It's it's using pain... To derive entertainment and, yeah. and beautiful entertainment. Well, and I, art. You know? I
0: even took it in a, a sort of sidestep of that in a sense. I know this wasn't what it was meant for. I knew there was a bigger meaning, especially when the name of a Yeah, whatever I I, came I, I knew that it right.
1: main meant something, but I didn't know what it was. Uh
0: the I was taking it as almost like the music industry, because it was a big thing of music. Like you take artists yeah. and you run them through this this, this can, you know, barrage of of like horror
1: and and whatever to I'll, sort of get their be- art out obviously because they used the name of the mining company it's a very direct oh, yeah. uh, indictment of that particular yeah. company yeah. but i think you know like because maybe because we didn't we don't un- know that history we were able to extrapolate it into a much broader story right
0: right um i mean but you couldn't you it's it's oppressor versus a, a pressy or oppressed yeah. i guess uh and it's, it's 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 the hallmark of this film like and it's it's interesting because you know, you know what's interesting about it? It's the most powerful scene, mm-hmm. but I, I, maybe you can convince me otherwise, and I'd love it if you could. Uh, it also felt the most disconnected of, of from all of the other scenes, even though it had a character from the other scenes in it.
1: I think, to me, the way it tied together was that, you know, like, as well as being this, like, giant tube that spins... Um what the other character seems to be struggling with was the absurdity of his job. You know, like he's this salesperson who like goes out and sells these things and he's trying to help people, but he's not funny and he's not that interested
0: in humor. Sure.
1: And it's this sort of
0: weird... He's selling humorous things, by the way. He's yeah. selling like gag jokes. A vampire teeth. Vampire teeth, what a la- a bag of laughs, and mm. the uh, one-toothed <laughs> uncle rubber mask is his three <laughs> products.
1: But but you know, like that kind of reminds me, you know, like sometimes in your in everyone's worst moments when they're working a job, mm-hmm. you often sit back and think, This is nuts. You know, like I'm, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, which is that I, I get to do what I love. But there, is, if there are certain days where I'm like, This is just a grind. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I can imagine for, you know, I can extrapolate for other people that are doing jobs that they don't love that it is a grind. It's like, I'm going to work every day killing myself slowly in order to stay alive. Yeah. You know, and and the way that this, this thing turns in order to keep people alive, you know, it, it seemed to reflect on this guy's existential dilemma. And he, you know, like, ostensibly, the film suggests that this is a dream. You know that he has. He actually comes out and says, "You know, I just had the most awful dream." Right, but in he, this film, keep
0: in mind that could mean anything. Yeah, anything could be a dream in yeah. this film.
1: And then he walks down the hallway shouting, "Is it, is it appropriate to derive pleasure from other people's pain?" Or you know, words to that effect. Um, and and I think you know, like when I think about work as well, you know, like and the way that the 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 You know, like they were the oil barons of the time, Mm -hmm. kind of deriving just pure, pure pleasure from 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 other people's pain. Is it is it appropriate? And sometimes when I think about work, I think about it in those terms. You know, like, again, I'm very lucky and I get to do you know, I get to work in the field that I love. But but, you know, well, we kill ourselves for our jobs sometimes.
0: Right. But and then there's also sort of the killing ourselves versus physically killing ourselves in the sense of like every time I'm having a bad day. I look back and I go, well, at least I'm not roofing anymore. Yeah. Like, but even beyond that, like, the whole deriving pleasure from someone else's pain, you have to. What that, what that scene made me really think about by the end of it, when he's yelling that down the hall, Mm. was kind of like, and and this is a weird sort of thing. I don't think he meant it this deep, but like the fact that we were all in a movie theater, yeah, sitting and watching this film if you go back it it's on the backs of a lot of people's misery that 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 we are able to do that
1: i i was actually reading an article in variety just this week about the the punishing hours of film production
0: well not even oh. not even film production yeah. i'm talking about like let's let's talk about like things for instance and this might be smaller scale or large scale but like let's go with the technology that that allowed us to get to go see that film like i'm going to go i'm going to reach real quick and then we got to move on because yeah. we have a couple more things to talk about um I'm, I'm talking about like what made what that made me think of was like, wow, getting me here took a lot of anguish from people, like even the film and the whatever. But then let's talk about the projector and how that was made. It was probably made in a third world country somewhere where parts are super cheap. And then even the phones that we were texting about going to like every little convenience we have, the water we have, you know, food, all that stuff was made by people that mm. probably have harder lives than we do. Do, do, are you a fan of Louis C.K.? Yeah. Have you uh, one of his
1: latest HBO specials? He ends it with what I would I think is a genius monologue. He, it's called the butt may well I call it the butt maybe monologue, and the butt maybe monologue goes something along the lines. Um, very, I, I, this is the terrible thing. Where, no, like, please to tell, do, be as funny as Louis <laughs> C.K. For yeah, be me. as funny as Louis C.K. But he, you know, like uh, I think he he has something in there. Uh, like uh, it's terrible when a soldier gets shot in war, but maybe. If you're being shot at uh, and you are firing upon someone, it's half your fault. Right. No, I've heard Uh, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's another one in there, which is that, you know, like, uh, it's terrible that uh, slaves are being exploited all over the world, but maybe most of humankind's greatest inventions come off the back of slavery. Yeah. Uh, Slavery. So... You know, it's a kind of like it's it's one of those great jokes that makes you think about hum- humanity. Yeah, and, and, th-
0: and this scene makes you think about humanity. That's yeah. kind of what it is.
1: And you know, like for all our difficulty with the story, or our difficulty with like you know, in, fully engaging with this film, this scene has probably provoked more discussion. You know, on a philosophical level, sure than. Either of this, <laughs> I was going to say, than any other film we've talked about, knowing very well that we've only talked only about, two, about two films. Uh, two other films. Yeah. Well.
0: <laughs> whoops. Um, no, I agree. Um, and and one day maybe we'll review. Maybe the fourth film we review will have a a, a more you know thought provoking uh, scene.
1: But but also I think I think this this particular scene is so good and so
0: powerful. Mm-hmm. It
1: might be, you know, like the most thought-provoking scene I've seen in a long time. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. I'd agree with that. But again, I, I do have to go back to it felt for me very out of place and unconnected. But yeah. that didn't mean it wasn't good. It was, you know, whatever.
1: If the scene, w- if if this was a web series and this was the first episode, was just this scene. Oh my
0: God! You might forward it to a million Holy people. Holy crap! Yeah. Um, All right, so that's sort of what we were getting into uh, with the sort of look and feel of the film. Now let's talk about the the biggest elephant in the room, I feel, (laughs) which is so we've talked about it. We've told you about it. This is what we asked people. We asked them if they would recommend it to go see, recommend it to see it this weekend, as opposed to, say, your entourages or your spies or what have you. I would love to see the box office mojo report for this one. Oh, versus- my God. All right, let's listen to what the people had to say. I think it's um, it
1: is very special. So they have, they have to, uh, to try.
3: Yes, I would. I think that it's very thought provoking and um, it's also conversation
0: provoking. Would you look? I would definitely recommend people seeing this, but they might hate me if I did. That's a damn good point. Yeah. That's a damn good point.
1: Well, it, it's a, it leads to a broader conversation about the purpose of cinema in our lives. And I, I remember having a conversation with um, a friend of mine. It was me. It was me. <laughs> it, uh, it was one of those college room conversations where we were talking about how, like, when I got home at night, I wanted to see films that challenged me that 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 made me that made me think. Okay, but so now, hold on, no hold on. It's a college
0: conversation. It's college, so you have to be like it has to be this. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> bruh, bruh, bruh. When I <laughs> <laughs> bruh, when I get home, I wanna, like watch films that like challenge like the way I think. You know? Oh my
1: god, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, hey, continue. But, so but, uh, I was gonna say, have you seen the cat? <laughs> yeah. What? Fuck. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I would always say that. And th- that's an obnoxious thing to say. And this other, yeah. person I, I, the, the, this other person I was talking to was like, yeah, but sometimes I want to come home and I just want to watch, like, something dumb and stupid this, because I'm tired. This
0: sounds like me. Yeah. Did, did we have this conversation? And the funny
1: thing is, the older I've gotten, the more I've been working. <laughs> you know, like, my Netflix queue is 400 films deep. And it has a lot of movies like songs from the second floor on it. Sure. That I never clear off because I'll come home, I'll be real tired, and I'll be like, "Ah, I just want to watch an episode of Family Guy. Yeah. You know? And like tonight, I struggled through this film. I was like, I'm really I've done a full day today. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I've got a lot of things in my mind. A lot of work. I'm really tired. And then, you know, but but I Oh, this entertainment is making me think. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, is that if all cinema was this thought-provoking and tried to, like, really... You know, would would the world be a better place?
0: No. No? I taught... I don't even know if you know this, Shahir, but (laughs) I was a counselor at a film, video, photo, and computer arts summer camp called the NISA program. It's a Mm -hmm. great program for kids in New York State. Basically takes the most talented artists in those fields, and it might have even expanded by now. This was in college. Mm -hmm. I did this. And it makes them... Uh, it, it it's a month long course that you bring these kids. I think they're between the ages of like even 14 to 18. Like it's high school range kids, mm-hmm. and they go and they live in a college dorm for a month. And each day they have classes taught by insanely talented teachers, and then we have guest speakers every night. Um, that came in and and spoke about everything. And it was some of the most interesting, thought provoking art 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 stuff that I've ever watched or experienced and these kids so gifted and they're all doing all like my kids that were like the the my my campers as it were <laughs> were uh they're they're doing amazing things right now in film video and photo like it's nuts the things they're doing hmm. uh but my point was this i got into a very large argument with one of my favorite professors bob harris at my college bob harris and i got into a uh, a bit of an argument because Uh, at nighttime sometimes, after the kids had finished all their work, I would sneak them all into the movie theater that we had at the campus that we were on, and we would watch Jim Cotta. We would watch What Hot American Summer. We would watch Ninja Turtles. And he and I butted heads. He's like, this is an art school. We're supposed to be teaching them about stuff. We're supposed to be teaching them about great cinema. And then I got into the whole thing. I'm like, well, what is art? Because I was a college student. I thought I knew (laughs) what the fuck I was talking about. But the bigger question is... And and this is my answer, and I think what you said is very, very true to this. It's you cannot have thought-provoking shit thrown at you all the damn time because if you do, you will come to to resent being provoked for thought. Like, you need need sugar bullshit so you can better appreciate the stuff that will make you think. And it's not to say that sometimes they can't match.
1: Yeah. I th- I think that's true. I just I, and I certainly I certainly agree with that. We can't have caviar all every day. We need to have a cheeseburger every now and again. Right. Uh, not that so caviar- many analogies. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but I think as well that there is there is a tendency, or there is at least recently, a tendency for films to. I, I'm starting to feel like a lot of movies are making me dumber. You know, like are are per- like yeah. not purposely making me dumber, but are making me think s- so little to an extent, and deadening me with so much. You know, like that's on you. That maybe it is on me. You know, but they're deadening me with like just huge, loud explosions and well, sexy women well, and people dying by guns and bullets, and it's like. Am I, is it doing any
0: good to me to watch this? That, that brings up a very interesting question. So let's talk about this film, A Pigeon uh, sat, sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence, or Entourage. Let's talk about sort of the dichotomy between that, because think about it this way. They're both, honestly, and I believe this statement intrinsically, <laughs> and you can argue it till the cows come home. I don't think it's going to change my mind. They are both about the human experience. <laughs> they uh, are. I, but I, I, here's the difference. <laughs> One, is the human experience that we sort of see in the media that everyone sort of wants to attain them, like the mm. sort of like on a, on an animalistic level they want sort of that, yeah. and one is the deeper emotional level, uh, you know that is, that comes to when you actually reflect on yourself as a person, and you have Ari Gold as a boss. No, but, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. So like they are both truly about the human experience. Now one is more relatable because more people. Can relate to wanting a certain thing because that's easier. That's yeah. the sort of easy path. And the other is obviously not. But then... Th- now, Wait, but, I've,
1: I've lost oh. which one's which. I know, right? <laughs> See? No,
0: so you're going to need another beer for this because which one is more true of humanity?
1: This is... I, but then I think the 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 extension of what you're saying is that every film is about the human experience
0: no I'm saying <laughs> this film we just watched and on, the entourage movie are both about the human experience I mean yes you can broaden it but that's not what I'm saying they're both about what we what humans feel and want right I, I mean
1: I, I have to be honest I you know like I've I've seen one season of entourage many many years ago and I never like went back to it. I think Entourage, I think, like, when I saw the trailer for the Entourage film, I thought, oh, that looks, like, fun. And if I knew these characters really well, I'd probably enjoy that. Mm -hmm. But also, the other part of me thought, this is Six in the City for guys, right? Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, and do you think Six in the City was, like, good for people? The movies, just at least. I think, this (laughs) is what I'll I'll say, I'm going to bring it back to Entourage. Six in the City about the human experience, (laughs)
0: <laughs> kind of, but, but again, yeah. it's about the human experience that we think we want or we know we think we want. I don't know, whatever. This is what I'll say. I think the Entourage film will make people happier than this film will make them. Sure. That doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Yeah, it's like saying uh, uh, eating a bowl of sugar is going to make people happier than a bowl of uh, kale. Sure. <laughs> so, But what I'm saying is I, I just wonder... As a species, where we are today, what is more reflective of the true human experience? I don't know. No, I don't. No, and and it's, and it's obnoxious of me to suggest,
1: uh, in any way, shape, or form, that 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 we should all be watching a pigeon, sl- you know, uh, sat on a branch reflecting existence every, you know, or films like that right. every night. But I, I just. I think, you know, like it would have been the great thing is that you did agree to do it. I am I'm very impressed by that, and i'm I'm impressed that you indulged me.
0: I'm not a monster
1: <laughs> because because I did have that experience when we were watching it, which was like, oh God, he hates it. No, He's gonna pick it was up
0: great aspects. And look, we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, I do want no, I mean, thanks for suggesting it. We needed we needed something different and and to be completely honest, whether or not, whatever film is more, you know, reflective of the human existence, this is a much more interesting film to discuss, I feel like, than Entourage, because otherwise we're just going to be talking about, oh man, when drama banged that chick, dude, it was so fucking funny. (laughs) Like, who gives a shit? So, um, in summation, just real quick, um, you know, even though this wasn't my cup of tea, uh, I think Anyone who can appreciate sort of the beauty and the visual aspects of film. And actually there was some great sound design in this movie too. Uh then mm-hmm. the music was very, very catchy. Um but uh I I, I think people like like our like our friends on the street said should challenge themselves to go see it because it is something that even if you don't like 80% of it, I gar- I guarantee anyone that sees this film will like 20% of it. <laughs> and and that's, that's a hard a, that's a hard sell no but that's think a about low that margin but no no but also in that 20 percent is going to make you think more than most other films will make you think and that i think is ooh, lots of things lots of thinking. um i think is important and i think we need a break from from the mac and cheese from time to time exactly
1: and that was my point was that i think you know i didn't I would happily happily watch Entourage and, you know, like... I'm going
0: to see it Sunday, by the way.
1: Yeah, and I would happily watch it, but I kind of... I want this podcast, the only podcast about movies... Right, because, yeah. Yeah, to not just be about what's playing you know, in the, you know, in the, in the multiplex about, well, you know, what's,
0: what's, what's got the most screens. Right. But chances are next week, we'll probably do a bigger movie than this.
1: Yeah. Well, it will be curious You know, like uh, to, to look at it from a market point of view, it'll be curious to see how many people listen to this
0: one right. versus how many people of listen course. to Mad Max
1: or something like that.
0: Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. We got on that. Oh, by the way, I promised that my dad would do a review of, Kung Fury. Fury. He did agree to do it, but he had a busy week, so we're gonna we're gonna play it next week. He did watch it, and I told him to not tell me about it until we recorded it. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, I guess final thoughts here. I'm on this film. I uh, said mine. Listen, uh, if I I I love the trilogy,
1: and I think Songs from the Second Floor is amazing. It really like changed my life. If you're if you can't make it to the theater to see any of these, um, watch. Roy Anderson's trailer uh, commercials on on YouTube. okay and and that's a great starting point. If you enjoy those, then take it to the next level after that. But okay. I think it's a I, look, that's that one scene that we've been talking about uh, with music being derived from people's pain, pain is is absolutely stunning and is one of the most profoundly beautiful scenes I've seen
0: in my life. okay. Well, guys and girls, this has been the only podcast about movies, uh, and this is the edition, uh, the the Abso Aberon edition. That is a pigeon sat on a branch, reflecting on existence. Um, Let's see. Shahir, you got us uh you got us an email address people can email us. Okay, we're we're starting to get more real about this. Shit just got real, yo. R E E L.
1: We have an email address, we have a Facebook account, and we have a Twitter account. That's insane. Okay. This week you can email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. And here's a little incentive for you. What? If you can if the first person to email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, that is from the continental United States and happens to be close to an AMC movie theater, will get two free tickets to AMC to any AMC movie of their choice.
0: You've lost your goddamn mind, you here. I know, that's crazy, isn't it? And I'm going to put a caveat on your free movie tickets. If you go see a movie on Our Dime, you have to record an audio review of that film in one minute. That is what I'm going to say, and then we're going to play it, and then it's going to be fun. Awesome. So that, uh, please email us, first person to do it. It will be uh, a good damn time. Uh,
1: OnlyMoviePodcast
0: at gmail.com. Awesome. And what's our Twitter and our other nonsense? We have a Twitter at
1: OnlyMoviePod and we have a Facebook page, The Only Podcast About Movies.
0: Wow, we're just all over the damn place. Shaheer, if people want to find you outside of podcasting about movies, being the only one, of course, where could they find you?
1: Check me out at my webpage, www.shaheerdaud.com, which is S H A
0: H I R D A U D. All right, uh, I can be found at MatthewKroll.com. We have such original names. Also, uh, Skeletor four prez, the number four in the middle, and then P R E Z is my Instagram, and also Emperor M S K on Twitter. Please tweet insta whatever the hell to me and tell me about movies that you're seeing. Tell me about if you saw a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. I would love to hear from other people that have seen this film before they listen to this thing. Hell, after this thing would be great. And you'll get two free movie tickets. Well, if you're the first one, <laughs> yeah, like that's that. the thing. So, viewer, listener, discretion advised. Anyway, um, this has been the longest episode mm-hmm. of the only podcast about movies. Uh, so, I mean, we're going over a little bit. I think we're like an hour, three minutes. <gasps> <gasps> our producers are going to kill us. We're going to lose our advertising budget. Wait, there's none of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, my name is Matthew Kroll. My name's Shahir Dowd. And thank you for taking a journey into the human experience with us this week. Next week... I bet you there's gonna be some sugar. And no pigeons. Maybe a pigeon. <laughs> Ooh, that's a pigeon noise. I am more bad. Wait, that's a dolphin. <laughs>